Welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. We have a slam jam packed show for you today. We've got movie news, of course. We're also going to be reviewing Hollywood blockbuster Hobbs and Shaw. And because of Hobbs and Shaw, we'll be talking about our top five duos. Let's do it. for joining us for another episode of popcorn for breakfast this is our seventh episode kirk that's amazing seven lucky number seven lucky number seven and it's uh, this is the point of no return um it's like have you ever heard that old adage that like maybe so maybe this is the point of return (laughs) not not the point of no return so they say something like relationships have mile markers at, at the sevens mm-hmm. like seven weeks seven months seven years like okay. most most marriages if they're gonna end end within the first seven years like the seven year itch as yeah. they say. Yeah. and like if you've been dating someone for seven weeks you know like that's usually whenever you decide is this going to be serious or not like should i stick around wow so yeah. this is our seventh episode i don't know we'll see where do we go from here where yeah i mean this is the this is the point of return so if you that's that's i guess what i'm trying to say if you want to quit, now is the time to do it. Hmm. Otherwise, we have to wait till seven months, and then after that, seven years. So, oh, maybe. man, that that's the biggest commitment—seven months to seven years. Like, it's they're... a bit—it's a big jump. Yeah. All right, we'll see. So how this, this is a soft. Goes. This is a soft one. We'll be all right. <laughs> uh, my name is Cam. I am your co-host. With me, as always, is Kirk. Hello. We are happy to have you. We have a really fun show today. We saw a really fun movie this week, uh, which was Hobbs and Shaw. And I think what's really exciting is that. We saw it, I mean, it's been out for, what, three weeks now? Yes. So this is the first time we've done that. Every other movie that we've seen, with the exception of Toy Story 4, was done Opening like weekend. the week of that movie. And so I would assume most people who have seen this, who have wanted to see this movie as soon as they heard about it, have seen it. And so now you get to hear our thoughts, and hopefully you've seen it so you can compare your thoughts to our thoughts. I think it's going to be... This was a big blockbuster movie. It had all the feel of a big blockbuster movie, which was kind of nice. And so lots of things to talk about, which we're, we're pretty excited about. Um, we're also going to be doing our top five duos because Hobbs and Shaw is a duo. And there are some great duos. So I thought this was the perfect time to break that out. But first, what did you watch this week, Kirk? Anything interesting? So many things. Uh, v- big variety this week, actually. So still on that Robert De Niro train, but I stepped away from the mafia went into some CIA stuff because of Hobbs and Shaw. Mm. I had to get some stuff like that. So I watched yeah. this this flick called Ronin. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty fun. Pretty yeah. great. Was it good? Nothing nothing uh, mind-blowing, but it was it was well structured. It was a lot of fun. Lots of car chases. The guy who directed it, and I should know this, same director of The French Connection, so there was this epic car chasing that lasted probably 20 minutes and it was wonderful dude i love car chases it was so great we saw a lot of that in Hobbs and shaw too yeah yeah no whenever i uh whenever i got back into my 2011 chevy cruise after Hobbs and shaw i kind of <laughs> put it in neutral and rev the engine a little bit just like <laughs> just like kind of feeling the flow of the movie you know very nice it's like highest speed limit on my way home was like 35 miles an hour and i was like i'm gonna push 45 oh. you know live a little dangerously kirk <laughs> 
Feel, Careful. Yeah. What else? What else do you watch? Then I watched this uh, this movie came out last year with Julia Roberts and Lucas Hedges called Ben is Back. Oh, okay. I've never heard of that. Really great. Directed by Lucas Hedges' father. Can't think of his name either at the moment. I'm guessing his last name might be Hedges. I It definitely made, is. It's possible. Directed by Mr. Hedges. Mm, yeah, I love that guy. <laughs> really great. Lucas Hedges plays a drug addict and Julia Roberts plays his mom. And they try to figure out what life is like with him back in the family. Mm. Ben. Hence, Ben is back. Yes. It's fantastic. It's really, really wonderful. Okay. I, it's on Hulu right now, so I highly recommend watching that. Cool. And I've never done this before. I rarely watch... I'm always watching ER on Hulu. Yeah. I haven't watched any movies on Hulu, and there's no commercials when I watch, this, when I watch this movie. Did they do the thing where at the beginning they give you three minutes of commercials, and so then the rest of the thing they don't? No. But I wonder... they they'll do that on Hulu every once in a while. Okay. They'll give you like a big block of commercials right out right out of the gun and then you you're good. You're scot free for the rest of the time. Well see that's really nice. I wonder if I had some like built up credit because I watched so much ER on there. Yeah. But I don't know. But yeah, so either way, it's on Hulu. That's a lot of fun. Then of okay. course I watched ER and then if this this Are you is done the... yet? I am on I'm in season fifteen. Yeah. I think last time we spoke... You were on episode five last time. Well, episode five. I I don't know. I think I'm on episode 11 or 12 right now. Okay. Um, so you're about half season. I'm so close. William H. Macy, who was on the first couple seasons uh, as an attending and chief of, chief of surgeon and everything else, returned in this most recent episode I'm watching. Mm. The episode that I'm watching is not good, and no one from the original cast is there. They actually had to have one of the nurses come up and say, oh, doctor, whatever it is, William H. Macy, I'm so glad to see you. And all the other doctors are like, who's this guy? And I'm like, well, that's William H. Macy, ladies and gentlemen, right. <laughs> presenting, you know. Correct. And, but it's it's not good. It's not good at all. And I'm, I'm ready for it to be done. But the highlight of my week of all of those was something that I haven't told you yet. Do you remember there was a trailer that came out that we were kind of excited about last week? Um, Little Women? That one's exciting. Yeah. That one's very exciting. Very exciting. This is a different one. This is um, this is a, a kind of a biopic on someone who made a movie. No. I have the shortest memory ever. That's okay. I watched Dolomite this weekend. Oh, Dolomite! Yes, <laughs> yes. yeah. We didn't actually get a chance to talk about Dolomite on the on the pod. That's but, right. Um, yeah, that looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, it's so, on Prime right now. Dolomite. Okay, cool. Is. So you get to so the movie the so there is a movie coming out starring um, Eddie Murphy. Mm -hmm. It's called This Is Dolomite. Uh, is Dolomite that? is my name. Dolomite is my name. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yep. And it is about the guy who made the Dolomite movie and played Dolomite, right? That, that is correct. That is so. Correct. This is a movie about the making of that movie. Yes. And that movie was just called Dolomite. That's right. Rudy Ray Moore plays Dolomite. He was a comedian, and this is during the time when Dolomite came out. This was during the time of the black black exploitation films. Yeah. So it was kind of neat to see that film because we had seen. Um, Black Klansman in, in last year's awards season, and it kind of played off of those it did, vibes yeah, a definitely. lot. Um, and also, I didn't realize how impactful this this film, Dolomite, was for several celebrities, but one, of course, Quentin Tarantino, just a few weeks ago. Really? We yes. And there are Quentin, Tino, Quentin Tarantino vibes all throughout. Well, of course, like he, he picked this yeah, up out of it. Yeah, I could see that. The yellow font, just the cuts. like You could see where his inspiration came from in this extremely B-rated movie. Yeah, and it's 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 exciting. It's it's by no means like it won't blow your mind, but it's so fun. It's it's so bad it's good, 
not like the kitchen that was just terrible mm-hmm. this is one of those movies that you could watch and laugh at the the mistakes and laugh at wow this could be good if yeah just like a good time yes yeah yeah i like that um well that's pretty fun mm-hmm. i might have to check that out before dolomite is my name comes out because that looks really really good yes um and eddie murphy looks like he does a great job i, yes. mean, I know it's a trailer and trailers can be misleading and, and those things but this is they're making a big you know to do about this so i think it's it's probably going to be good yeah and that's coming to netflix so yeah be easy to see right i'm excited yeah, just from the comfort of your own home what'd you watch so this week i i mentioned last week on a hype train that i'm hyped on football mm-hmm. and so hbo sports has a documentary called hard knocks are you familiar with that i am yeah so they follow a team around through training camp this year it's the oakland raiders i've actually not watched hard knocks in the past um can't really tell you why it's right up my alley but it's great and uh so the Oakland Raiders they have John Gruden who's a really charismatic coach you know he had a broadcast career and and things like that and so um it's just a really fun cast of characters I do it does leave me kind of wanting though because I I watch um those like David Attenborough uh Planet Earth and stuff documentaries about animals and he has that voice and I would love to have him uh narrate this That'd be really good. With his like good British voice because they say things. It's it's honestly like watching one of those documentaries about the animals, only it's about real people playing football. Yep. So he'll say things like NFL training camp is the proving ground for young talent. And you know, you know at that point it's kinda like in the animal documentaries when you know like the lion's about to kill his prey, you're like, Oh, this guy's about to get cut. Yep. Because they're talking about the proving ground and they're showing how bad he is at football. So it's it's kind of the same thing. So I'm like Take that serious narrator with the perfect voice and for, for football and give me instead David Attenborough, who will give me that like soft, soothing animal documentary voice. That's what I want. Could we also get like Snoop Dogg did one, didn't oh, we? Oh, yeah. Plazanet Earth. Yes. I would take that too. <laughs> it would just, which is basically just him reacting to whatever is being shown <laughs> like, to him. Oh, oh no, Penguin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, um, so I would take either of those. So I've been watching Hard Knocks. I really like it. Highly recommend. Nice. Um, and then, oh, I also watched a little bit of stand up this week. I watched um, Jim Gaffigan's new special, Quality Time. Excellent. Which. Threw me for a loop a little bit. So I will say um, Jim Gaffigan has been, he's, he's, he's fantastic and he's hilarious. I've seen him live a couple of times. One of the funniest people there is. But those last few specials have kind of not, for me at least, like hit the mark. And so I was like kind of excited about this one, kind of not. I was like, maybe he's on the downswing. This one's hilarious. Like totally true to form. Back to old Jim Gaffigan telling like, really funny really on point jokes that are super relevant and he just kills it so i recommend it but um it's on amazon prime and that threw me for a loop because he's been on netflix in years past and netflix has kind of been like the home for stand-up comedy specials absolutely they have like i think at least two shows for like kicking off stand-up careers yeah and he had five shows five specials on there right because one of his specials was called cinco yeah Cinco, wow. yeah, and well, he switched over. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, he had Beyond the Pale, Mister Universe, um, all of those things. So, yeah, it's this one's really good. Um, it's on Amazon Prime, so I, I would say check it out. I think it's interesting that he's on Amazon Prime. I read an article on Forbes about how he made thirty million dollars this year. Jim Gaffigan did, which makes him the third highest grossing comedian in the world. Whoa! And they said that this move to Amazon Prime is basically like him betting on himself and saying, people do want to watch my special. I'm, I'm not going to take 
whatever Netflix is giving me just because we've always been in a partnership. I'm going to fight for the best deal. And I mean, most of the money that he makes is by getting butts and seats. Like he, he tours all over the world. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, he, his material plays everywhere and he, he'll go to Denmark and Japan. I mean, he does shows all over Europe, all over Asia. Like it's crazy. Yeah. I think people will follow him. I mean, there's not many people out there who don't have Netflix and Prime today in 2019. I, I mean, I agree. Yeah, most people have Prime these days, and, and if, so if they don't, they'll probably get it if you're if you're looking for for Gaffigan. Yeah, they would for sure. Yeah, and I so I would just say if anybody else is out there and watched the last few Gaffigan specials and was like, eh, it's kind of lukewarm. This one is as good as his old stuff. It's really really funny, like gut bustingly funny. That's good. to So hear. I would check that out. So like, no movies for me this week outside of. Hobbs and Shaw, but I'm getting a little little bit of other content going. I'm interested to see where this whole thing goes with all these different streaming providers because it just feels, man, you can kind of like feel the tension in the air with this. Oh, yeah. And I really do feel like we're on the precipice of some ginormous content battle in 2020. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at all the players that are coming to play. Apple's in it. You know, they've got content. They've got original content. They've got, you know, legacy content. HBO Max is really ratcheting up the pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for the longest time, it was like Netflix is too big to fail, and I'm starting to wonder if that's the case anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're taking some interesting choices. A lot, a lot of these other streaming companies or networks are creating their own, of course, uh, streaming devices, and then yeah. they're saying, "Hey, if you want to watch this show, we're bringing it back to ourselves. We're not sending it out anymore." And with Netflix, what I, what I'm seeing at least at this moment is they're stopping so much pressure on the series as they are just getting all these original films more so right i see that happening left and right yeah they're doubling down yeah they're doubling down on the original content Mm -hmm. um and yeah with with the irishman is an interesting case because this is a this is i mean most people project that this will be a player come award season yep um you know we've seen amazon go to the awards and win some stuff manchester by the sea um you know a few of their other films Big Sick, right? Big Sick. Yeah, was the Amazon? Big Sick was an Amazon Studios film. So I mean, these guys are starting to get into the original content, but that's a that's a tough hand to play, man. Like, mm-hmm. you bet on your original content, but it's got to be better than the rest of the guys. You have to have that one show, at least, for your consumers that they say, "I have to watch the show to either either because it's it's fantastic or because everybody talks about it." Yes. And I have to stay in the know. Water cooler. Yep. And the list for Netflix is running a little bit dry these days. Um, you know, the office is gone is going to be gone. Friends is going to be gone. When that happens, you lose those shows that like everybody just turns on in their spare time. Um, I think stranger things, we, we, you know, we talked about stranger things. That's a big one. People will continue to come back for that show. But beyond that, I mean, orange is the new black is still around, Mm -hmm. but the list is, is waning. I mean, house of cards is done. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and how often do you rewatch House of Cards? Right. Especially after the aftermath of Kevin Spacey's demise, right? Right, right. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of kind of put a damper on that whole show. I mean, you can't really, yeah. So I'm I'm interested. We're at the point now where it's like this is the big battle scene, you know? <laughs> like, yes. Everybody's sitting there, the rain just started pouring down. It's just it's like Helm's Deep in Lord of the Rings where he's like and so it begins, you know, like <laughs> it's, you can see everybody is, it, it's an arms race. Everybody's grabbing their stuff and they're like, Hey, may the, may the best man, you know, win mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And so Disney plus is obviously going to be a huge heavy hitter there too. So yep. we'll just wait and see what happens. Part of me makes me excited uh, because I, 
I don't want to have to pay for all of these streaming services, so I need someone to lose so they can just gobble right. them up and take their content. You need, you need, yeah, you need one of them to sell off, yep. somebody to buy somebody. Yeah, I, I agree. It's <laughs> it's not even like even if it's the same amount of money or whatever, if it can just be like a few less bills, you know, a few yes. less automated payments because those things come at such random times and it's like ah, you know, you don't know. Exactly. Consolidate that stuff. Come on. Yeah, but it'll be it will be very interesting to watch. Yes. Um so with that, I want to jump into movie news. I hate when we have to start movie news with an in memoriam. We've only had to do it um once before, mm-hmm. but it would be um in poor taste for us to not mention Peter Fonda who passed away this last week and was just a total giant in the industry beyond what he did on screen and what he did in Hollywood as a producer and as a writer, director and actor. Um I just my my feed blew up. I think probably more than I was expecting for Peter Fonda because he's just so well respected and played such a pivotal role in so many people's careers. Um, he's obviously the son of Henry Fonda, mm-hmm. uh, the brother of Jane. Um, he's probably the lesser known of the Fondas, but had some big roles. Easy Rider is one of them, and then the one I saw floating around. They were like a bunch of different directors were saying, "Hey, I know everybody says." You know, Peter Fonda from Easy Rider, but don't forget The Hired Hand, um, which was a movie that he was in that they said that movie contributed to film and the, the genre of like these sort of like Western type movies um, in a big way. So, uh, yeah, Peter Fonda. Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot. You're exactly right. Not a lot of personal acting credits, but the, the things that he did were greatly impactful. I'm sad to say I haven't seen that many things, but I am happy to say that he was in ER's landmark 300th episode. There you go. Titled 300 Patients. They actually cleared 300 patients out of the ER in one shift. Oh, wow. So pretty exciting. He he did a fantastic job. Um, I won't go into the details because I know you're going to watch it back, Cameron, but he's, he's a husband <laughs> and his wife's in the hospital and there's some family stuff going on and he comes out on top. He makes the right choice and he's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's good to hear. Yeah, I'll definitely be watching ER back to get <laughs> caught up on that. It's um, in season 14, so you have to start at one to make oh sure you know boy. exactly what's going on by Ugh. the second you hit the 300th episode. Okay, well, <laughs> I will I will strongly consider that. In the meantime, maybe I'll watch some of Peter Fonda's other credits, of, which, right. of which there are many and won't require me to watch 13 seasons of another show before <laughs> I get there. Um, so, yeah, in all seriousness, Peter Fonda... Um, you will certainly be missed. That's evident by everybody who's, you know, paid their respects over the last week. I'm excited to throw on um, the hired hand and maybe Easy Rider and check out a few of Peter Fonda films over the next couple of weeks. Yep, yep. All right. Next up, we have some big, ginormous news coming out this week. And this one was a huge tease, and I'll get into that. But it sounds like our friend, Ewan McGregor. Mm-hmm. And this is something we've been waiting for for a long time, Kirk. Yes. He may be back as Obi-Wan Kenobi. And if this happens, well, first of all, let me start with if this doesn't happen. If this does not happen, Kirk, after the teasing and the the obscuring and all of the shenanigans that have gone on over the last three days, we riot. And we hunt down the people who broke the news too early. Yeah, because, okay, so I think it might have been Friday night. I can't remember exactly when it was. The article that we shared on our Facebook and Twitter was that he was confirmed that this was done. He was back as Obi-Wan Kenobi. It even says in the thing, it says in the headline of the article that Ewan McGregor is back as Obi-Wan in a new Disney Plus Star Wars series. Mm -hmm. 
Ever since then, though, Kirk, people have been rolling it back a little bit. Right. This was released by Nerdist, who they have tons They're of reliable. connections. Yep. Yeah, very, very reliable source. Um, yeah, you texted me Thursday night at 7 o'clock and said, if this is some sort of sick joke, so help me. Yeah. And it might be, but it better not be. All caps. If this is some sort, right. if this is not real, so help me, Kirk. Because I have been clamoring, I have been begging for this to happen. Yes. It's so perfect because there is a gap, right? Mm-hmm. We all know if you're a Star Wars fan, there is a gap in the timeline and the story arc of Obi-Wan Kenobi. We see him at the end of episode three. He's handing off Luke and Leia. He's like, I, I got to get out of here. I got to go you know, take care of some business. The whole Jedi Order's dead. Like, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Then flash forward, you know, 30 years, yeah, 20, 30 years. <laughs> and we got old man Ben Kenobi who lives in, in the caves and, you know, hunts Jawas and does all the weird things. And it's like, so how do we get here? And we also know that this story will probably involve Darth Maul in some capacity. Absolutely. Because they teased it in Solo mm-hmm. that that whole storyline that hap- that goes down in the clone wars that darth maul is resurrected by you know some in- you know enchantress or something like that he's back um he's running this organization and it's just you can just feel the perfect story arc of obi-wan gets to finally avenge his master qui-gon jinn mm-hmm. he gets to do so kind of like going rogue and doing his own thing I need this to happen. There's no way that you can reintroduce Darth Maul into the cinematic universe of Star Wars and not do anything with it. Yeah. Say what you will about Solo. I thought it was a fun film. I liked Solo. Yeah. That's probably a hot take. Don't at me. Don't at me. I liked it. Same. I loved it. I I really had a good time with it. And I thought um, um, Alden Ehrenreich who played Han Solo. Aiden Ehrenreich, yeah. Thank you. He did did such a... I thought he did such a good job with his his mimics on, on... you know, playing off of Harrison Ford and what he was, and I just loved it. I thought it was great, for, great fun. And this this movie has, I mean, this this series has to happen. Whether it's a movie or a series on Disney Plus, give it to me. We need you and McGregor in this. We role. need this story. It's the perfect fit. I, I can't say anything more about it than do it, or you, I'm going to come and find you. Yeah, and I would just say that like Obi Wan Kenobi and what. Ewan McGregor did to play this character, a young Obi-Wan Kenobi, even, you know, through episode one, two, and three is really brilliant and underrated. He grew a rat tail in episode yeah, one. Yeah, man, Padawan Braid, he had it, <laughs> he had it going on. But, I mean, he just, it's, Ben Kenobi from the original trilogy is such a loving character, and we only get him, you know, for part of a film, and then he becomes a spirit, but he's still, he leaves his mark on the series. Mm-hmm. And... I just thought Ewan McGregor, and he Ewan McGregor is a fantastic actor, mm-hmm. and he really did not take it lightly or laze around. He could have done whatever he wanted with this character, and he really gave us a great, it's just kind of like a warm and comforting character. Obi-Wan, really, you see why he is who he is later on, why he's this Jedi, Jedi Master, why he's one of the last men standing. And that scene where he has to confront Anakin... Um, you know, on the on the fiery lava planet, oh. uh, Mustafar, and he's just heartbroken because he's watching what happened to this this person that he considers to be his son. It's really well acted. He it, did such a good job. You are the chosen one. Yeah. Oh man, it's brutal. I just get um, chills every time. He, I mean, he clearly carried the the prequels of yeah, Star Wars. He did absolutely carried it hands down. Yeah, he did. Um, so that has to happen. And if it doesn't, 
I don't think it's fair. You you have to be more careful with breaking stories like this. Real people's emotions are on the line, yes. namely mine. Yes. <laughs> and I take that very seriously. So come on, guys. You and McGregor, if you're out there and listening to our podcast, because we know you are, because we just got a ranking email in in, uh, in our inbox. So we'd love if you come yeah, on we're and, big shots. and confirm with us how you're going to do it or not. And we hope you are. If not, we would just love to sit down and chat with you. Yeah. That'd be fun. You and McGregor, friend of the program. That's right. That's my new thing is um, whenever whenever there is an actor that you and I both like, yeah. I'm just going to call them a friend of the program because yeah. it, it makes it sound like they listen to our podcast and are have been on it. Right. They haven't. P.S. But it makes it sound really legit. They will, though. Because yeah. they'll be like, oh, yeah, I should listen to my what they said about me back when. Plus, it's just an ultimate power new, power move to be like walking through movie news and be like, oh, John Wick 4 is in production, you know, Keanu Reeves, friend of the program, and people just, they'll take you at your word with that. Excellent. Every post from now on, I should say. Yeah, you and McGregor, friend of the program. <laughs> <laughs> Even if the movie's not about him, just you and McGregor. Yeah. F-O-T-P, friend <laughs> of the program. Um, so, yeah, we're excited about that one. Next one. Terrence Malick, our old friend Terrence Malick is back, Kirk. Yeah. He he directed The Thin Red Line. He directed Tree of Life. He gets some critical acclaim. He's had some big ones. This movie is called A Hidden Life. It looks really cool. Um, it's it's about a guy who is in living presumably in Nazi Germany and is under pres- is under pressure from, you know, his his peers to give in to the awful tyranny and reign of you know the third reich and all that you mm-hmm. know and he won't do it and so I, I assume that the story will be a lot about how that affects his life it also seems to do what terrence malick does a lot of which is try to like focus in on the really simple things in life and the beauty of those things mm-hmm. but i will just say i'm very skeptical kirk because if we know anything about Terrence Malick, we know that this movie looks like it's going to have a story in the trailer, but <laughs> when it comes out, it probably won't be any sort of coherent story at all. See Tree of Life, for example. Yeah, I didn't see it. Yeah, that movie, you're like, oh, cool, this has got like Jessica Chastain and Brad Pitt, and it's about just like family and love and all these different things, and it's going to have this nice story about this family. It's totally... it's. It's not a linear, consistent story. It's kind of hard to watch. It's really hard to follow. It has a good theme, but you're just like, it ends and you're like, what did I just watch? (laughs) And The Thin Red Line was similar. Terrence Malick does this thing called, well, he he says things like, I found the film in the edit. So with The Thin Red Line, he like cut most of Adrian Brody out of that movie because he was like, oh yeah, the movie was supposed to be about Adrian Brody. But then whenever I watched it while editing, I was drawn to Jim Caviezel's character. And so I decided that he should be the main character. And because of that, that movie makes very little sense. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it's not really a story so much of it is just like a painting of war. And so to me, that's that's bad direction. I, I mean, I tend to agree. You need to know what your story is going into it. And reshape you can reshape those things in editing, but if if Adrian's your lead man, he's your lead man. Yeah, I mean for sure. And I get that there's a thing about being an artist, and you're and you're entitled to artistic license and doing whatever you want with a film that you create for sure. I just get a little bit weary of like the whole pompous. Well, 
the the film I didn't make the film the film made itself you know mm-hmm. the film was created and I found the film in the edits and I knew what it had to be like come on man save mm-hmm. it save it yes a couple of things about this movie so first of all I've never seen uh, a Terrence Malick film all the way through or even st- I, the only one I've started was to the wonder with Ben Affleck and Rachel McAdams because mm. I was like that's probably going to be good and then I like fell asleep because it was all mystified and yeah. crazy editing uh so the other thing is that number two august and i don't know how to pronounce his name deal dial who was in inglorious bastards yeah as the uh the german co- captain or something in yeah, the, bar. the one in the bar really good performance so in that. good he's in that movie for like eight and a half minutes and he kills it it totally so leaves good. his mark yeah. oh i loved him he is the lead in, in this movie in a hidden life and then three i just re- looked up some notes about this uh, uh first of all two notes it's going to be three hours long of course. Youch. And the second part of that is that um, Terrence Malick has reportedly spent three years editing this film. Mm. This was filmed a long time ago. Oh, and that's not that does not bode well, Kirk. <laughs> and he is just now getting this out on no, the table. No, that does not bode well. So to your point, it will be all chopped up. Who knows what the the, the actors certainly aren't going to know what this looks like. Yeah, from what and they it, filmed. it will be three hours, and when it's over, you'll feel like you have been watching it for eighty hours. <laughs> like that's I'm just calling that right now. I don't know, man. I'm I'm gonna I'm probably gonna wait for the first few reviews to come out on this thing to see if I can even stomach it. Yeah, I don't think I will. And I will just say again, I liked Tree of Life. Okay, I like some of this guy's movies. He is an artist. He, you know, he's a little bit avant garde. But I'm just like I get a little bit tired of the whole super pretentious artsy director shtick. Okay. I hope this isn't that. I we'll hope see. he tells a story. Please well, tell a always, story. We're always the optimists. We're like, uh, this is probably what's going to happen. But maybe this is your chance to turn it around. So yeah. we're, we're hopeful. So moving on to something that is sure to be a guarantee. This is like the m- safest bet in the world to be a smash success. It's Greta Gerwig. It's Little Women. It's Sir Ronan. It's Timothy Chalamet. It's Laura Dern. You know, I mean, this this thing, uh, Emma Watson, mm-hmm. the cast is stacked. It's a classic story. It's a retelling of a story that people love. Um, you know, the old, like, Winona Ryder one that was really good. It's Greta Gerwig who directed Lady Bird and who does a fantastic job. I could not be... I mean, I'm ready to give this score this movie right now, and I haven't even seen the thing. I'm like, <laughs> 9.7 out of 10. It's going to be absolutely incredible. Yes. So... Are you psyched for this movie? I'm very psyched. I'm looking at the cast list more. There are even more. Like it's insane. Meryl Streep's. Yeah, in I knew. This. I knew Meryl. I was like, oh. you don't even have to tell me that Meryl Streep's <laughs> in that movie. I can just tell you by the fact that it's Greta Gerwig, it's Little Women. I knew Meryl was going to be yes, in this. Yes, Bob Odenkirk is in this. Tracy Letts. Dude, Bob Odenkirk is so underrated. He is. Yeah, he is. This this is going to be phenomenal. What I love about this, from what we see in the trailer, is that the they're trying to modernize this, but not in a way that that takes away from how it was originally, how the book mm-hmm, was written, yep. but to literally just make a good translation to what you would see in film today. Yeah. And from the trailer, it's like, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. I kind of hope like, cause the, even the, the way they speak is a little bit more modern. Mm-hmm. I think, um, I don't know what it will end up being, but in my head, it's like the reverse of Boz Lerman's, Romeo and Juliet. Yes. So what Boz Lerman did with Romeo and Juliet was take all of the original dialogue and, you know, the, the text there and put it behind a modern facade. So, like, everything that was happening was modern, but the way they were talking was that Shakespearean language. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping this is the flip where, like, 
the setting is little women it's a period piece it's it's which i mean obviously it is from the trailer but mm-hmm. the language might be a little bit more modern that would be really fun that's what it seems like to me yeah, it, yeah. exactly like that and that's really exciting because that really hasn't been done this seems like uh right right to the top of the list at oscar season yeah i mean i'm booking it mm-hmm. I, i'm booking it that you know come next march you and i will be listing top 10 movies of the year and we'll be giving award predictions and this this movie is going to be all over it mm-hmm. yeah greta Gerwig could be nominated again right here dude she's so good mm-hmm. and Sersha, dude i love Sersha. she's incredible if you haven't if you have not seen brooklyn or wow. later bird ladybird but brooklyn especially you must go watch it you must it's a demand stop what you're doing pause <laughs> this podcast watch it come back two hours later listen to the rest it's a it's you have to do it it's so so good you will you will not regret it also go watch atonement because if you haven't seen her in that as well stop what you're doing again Mm. We'll see you in six hours after you get caught up and come I back. mean, she's going to win so many awards over the course of her career. It's going to be stupid. She's been nominated so many times already. It's it's insane. Yeah. And she's like in her early 30s, maybe. Yeah. She's she's Minnie Merrill. She's Ugh. just going to kill it. Well, I'm exhausted. That was a, that was a lot of news. That was. It was a big week. And I can't emphasize enough again, Ewan McGregor. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm. This doesn't happen. We riot in the streets. I'll organize it. It'll be like that thing where um, it'll be the Area 51 raid. <laughs> exactly. Only it'll be different. It'll be it'll be let's raid Lucasfilm Studios. Exactly. It'll be like, how dare you? Actually, no, it's whoever whoever's breaking these stories. So we'll start with Nerdist. Mm-hmm. We'll go after all of them. IGN, go, go just take them Nothing out. violent, just like holding signs that say, how dare you? Making them really feel bad. Until they until they start production on it. Kind of like there's this, there's this horrible like 90s film with uh, Brendan Fraser and Steve Buscemi where mm. it called Airheads. And yeah. They, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> where they, they ha- they're a band. There's a couple other players in their band and they take hostage a DJ, like a radio station, and they say, hey, you're going to play our music. And they have these fake guns. Like that's, minus the fake guns, we're going to go in and take them. Yes. We're going to say, start production. Let's Giant, go. Giant, um, you know how people in at sporting events, they hold up those big heads of people? Yes. It's just going to be me crying. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> just going to be me sobbing uncontrollably so that they feel the pain with inflatable lightsabers yeah <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> like come on yeah so it, it has to happen all right moving into our review this is we're getting back to the big blockbuster movies kirk mm-hmm. just like we said at the beginning of this podcast this is a podcast of the people give if lots of people are seeing you know, whatever the number one movie is, we're going to go see it. Didn't work out with the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew you were going to. I see. I cut you off there. I knew you were going to come after me with the kitchen. But oh, it was so bad. Listen, we messed up. Okay, Kirk. And then the other one we didn't do that was a was not a big blockbuster was yesterday, but that was because of the poll. Right. And I blame the 10 people that voted for us to see that movie. It's all you guys. So there you go. But we did review Hobbs and Shaw. This is a spinoff. Yeah, so technically not even called Hobbs and Shaw. It's called Fast and the Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw, which, ew. Yeah. That is a terrible, terrible title. Just call it Hobbs and Shaw. That's it. It's it's such a fantastic microcosm for all the Fast and the Furious because there's no subtlety whatsoever. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, you could have just called the movie Hobbs and Shaw and the people who needed to get it would get it. But instead, it's Fast and the Furious Presents, you know, that we have to be as loud and stupid about it as possible. Um, so let's, we're, we're going back to our old categories. We're going to start with synopsis in 280 characters or less. Would you like to start or would you like me to start? I want you to go first. Okay, I'll go. <laughs> Lucas Hodds and Deckard Shaw 
are not-so-friendly acquaintances who find themselves as the only options to save the world from a deadly outbreak. Only one problem. The virus is implanted in someone's arm, and that someone is Deckard Shaw's sister, Hattie. Love it. Yeah. That's perfect. It's It tees you up. It doesn't give you too much. doesn't tell you what happens. It, it just lays into se- it. It just sets you up. You find all of that out within... The first ten minutes of the movie. I like that. I think I, I think we've switched. I think you're, <laughs> I think you're doing the synopsis now. And, and now doing you're the doing review. the reviews. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Wait, wait till you hear mine. Here it goes. <clears throat> the Rock and Jason Statham flex their muscles and comedic banter for two hours in this action-packed thrill ride, where the actual inciting incident doesn't matter much at all. Correct. There it is. That's just matter of fact. There's this tool. This kind of. Um, theatrical it's used in film and in books and in everything called the macguffin and then what the macguffin is it's this fake thing that propels the the storyline but then at the end of it it doesn't really matter all that much yeah um so one very easy thing we already talked about back in pulp fiction the suitcase is a it's a macguffin right because you don't really care what's in there because there's so much else going on yeah that's what this movie is there's this the specific thing that's the threat to the universe to, to the world no, it doesn't really matter because there's so much else going on all, right. with all the action. Right, yeah, fun. you kind of forget about all that. Yeah, it's important, but not as important as the it's rest of the, it. It's uh, the Mick Jagger, if you will. Oh, it distracts all yes. your attention. So that's a little that's a little taste from the movie. You'll, mm-hmm. you'll, if you've seen the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you don't, great. That's the point. Spoiler free. <laughs> um, okay, next category. And the Oscar goes to... There was, there was a lot of people in this movie. So many. Like, it, I don't think I expected there to be less people than there were but it still is like kind of jarring how many people were in this movie more and more people just popped up i was like i didn't know they were going to be in this okay cool let's see what happens yeah who you got i got vanessa kirby yeah same straight up it had to be um there was not much competition no she was she was far and away the best she's on another level you know there there it's an action movie so there is some cheesy writing that just comes with the territory yep this isn't like the kitchen where it's just bad writing because what they were trying to do. These are two different classes. This is an action movie. You're writing an action movie, and you just—that's what it is. You came to see this instead of like a real movie. Yeah, it's 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 part of, and and I'm sure we'll dig into it more as we go. But it is part of the genre. Yes. Like people come. It is a, it is a tent tentpole of the genre that it like. You have to have these one-liners. You have to have. You know, people kind of like smoldering and looking at the camera. You know, just like there are certain things that just come with the territory. Yeah. Yeah. And that's this has all of that. You have to make sure that your expectations are aligned and uh, before you come to this movie. And mine were. And I was I was excited to see this. So from the from the expectedly sometimes bad to poor writing, Vanessa Kirby just went with it and didn't didn't even stutter. It was like I just did. She was so great as she just like plowed through those lines. And you're like, all right, I believe you great job wonderful job yeah it's really impressive that's so that's a really really good point that you bring up because even when she got you know bad dialogue that she had to deliver she somehow finessed her delivery to where it didn't feel weird Mm -hmm. and it didn't feel forced or or goofy she really made it feel natural and she gave us a really good performance yes also super bizarre how throughout this whole movie they're like man vanessa kirby's so hot like that that's that (laughs) every time they bring up this character like the first couple of times you're like okay they're trying to lay the ground for some sort of like love interest or something like that but then they just keep going they're like oh man deckard your sister's so much more attractive (laughs) than you and all this stuff it's like what we we heard you doing here (laughs) 
like got it she's like she's the woman in this movie she's, she's the, the love, love interest. interest in this action film um that's what you guys are trying to do but it also just didn't vibe with what they were trying to do with her character because she's not a damsel in distress by any means she's like a total baller killing it um very much a, a modern woman and what you would want to see in a movie like this but then they just kind of like they kind of i don't know just like they distort it a little bit and, and water it down a little bit by doing that and so all of that like cool she's awesome she's an action hero every time they're like talking about her appearance it's like eh, you guys are kind of hurting what you're trying to do here right which maybe that was part of the satire to be like hey look she's just she's just a girl and then she like takes down Dwayne Johnson yeah, I at mean, one point. I mean, know? it is a trope. Like everybody knows that the like the Bond movies, which this had a lot of Bond feels to it. Yep. Um, the Bond movies have not been kind to you know. There's the Bond girls, and they're always just you know good looking women who are there to be the love interest and whatever. So maybe maybe to your point, they're trying to point that out a little bit, but it was pretty heavy handed. They could have they could have cut down on a lot of it once or twice. We're good, but man, it just kept going. Yeah. You're you're exactly right. Yeah, and she. You know what they need to stop doing is stop trying to give Dwayne Johnson these philosophical conversations. Oh, man, right? That was when he was at his worst. Yes. <laughs> like talking to his daughter about life. Yeah. And it's just like, dude, save it. I'm, this is not working. Like it started out fine when he was just being cutesy with his daughter. Like that he does well. Like, hey, sweetie, love you. Don't forget to do this. By the way, honey, I'm going <laughs> to... Make sure that you remember what to do in cases of crisis. And yeah. I love you more than any. Like, they're like, eh. if things go south, remember what I said. Yes. Your aunt knows what to do. Yes. <laughs> like, weird stuff like that. I don't know. It it was a little bit bizarre. Um, but yeah, I, I think out of all the performances, Vanessa Kirby stands above the rest in a, in a pretty significant way. Indeed. Okay. Next up, Scene Stealer. Lots of options here. So I will say that. We had, so the director of this film is David Leach, who I really like. He directed Atomic Blonde. He directed Deadpool 2. He was, um, and, and and he directed John Wick. But he was like, I think he was cut out of that in the middle or something. Because he ends up going uncredited on John Wick. So I think he like started it and somebody else picked it up and fished it. I don't, I don't exactly know. Anyway, point being, he directed Deadpool 2. And there were tons of Deadpool 2 tie-ins like tons of people who were in that movie and also in this movie. Most notably Ryan Reynolds. Yes. Who was a ton of fun in this movie. Um, the guy who played like the doctor who created the virus, he was also in Deadpool too. Um, the other CIA agent who plays opposite Ryan Reynolds was in Deadpool too. Like there's Deadpool two connections all over this thing. Um, so that the, a lot of those people are options for scene stealers. There were tons of other characters that are options for scene stealers. Who mm -hmm. did you end up going with? I went with Kevin Hart. Same. Oh, no. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I think it was the obvious choice, though, wasn't it? It was. You know, Kevin Hart probably has like five minutes of screen time. He's he he pops into this movie as an air marshal and. It, he just kills it. Oh, uh, absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. I was laughing the hardest when he came on screen. Just the chemistry between him, Jason Statham, and uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I'll, I'll never stop calling him Are the you Rock. allowed to call him The Rock still? I don't know. Because he's just Dwayne Johnson now, right? I think he is Dwayne Johnson. However, he clearly, at multiple points of the film joked about his wrestling he does, yeah, career. Yeah, he does, because he says the ice cold can of 
Whoop, yeah. Yeah, so. And he also makes an eyebrow joke to his daughter. Yeah, the people's eyebrow. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, he so, does. Like, he can't do the eyebrow thing at first, and she does it, and he's like, I don't know if I can do that. Yeah, fair point. If he's gonna, if he's gonna exploit it, he gets to be called The Rock. Exactly. Sorry, man. <laughs> exactly. But Kevin Hart just, just nailed it, and in such a short amount of time, he, he just did such a range of jokes and such a range of comedy that I was like, this is great. Give me more. Yeah, when you get Kevin Hart with um, pretty good writing and pretty good direction, which he got in his scenes, he got really well-written parts. I don't know if some of it was improv or what, like how they worked on it, but when you when you have that combination, similar to how, like in Jumanji, he's really funny. Yep. And I know that he's kind of known as being in all these crappy, like goofy comedy movies, and he's just kind of like that guy, but... He really did a good job. Like genuinely, he did a good job acting and he totally stole the show when he was on the screen. Yep. Yep. You guys will like it when you get to that part. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Moving right along. We better not have the same showstopper as well. <laughs> I don't know that we will. Okay. I don't, I, I don't know that we will. I kind of thought we might have the same because because both of those were kind of the obvious choice. Mm-hmm. And I will say on the acting side, Dwayne Johnson was not good. So he, he wasn't really in contention. I don't know what it is, man, but like he, we know that he is capable of acting decently well in the right scenario. This must not have been it because he wasn't good. And, you know, I've only, I only saw the first three Fast and Furious, so the Fast and the Furious, um, Too Fast, Too Furious, and Tokyo Drift. That, yeah. That was it. So I know that there was a long, troubled relationship between The Rock and Vin Diesel yeah just like on set just bad bad vibes well so you know that most of that is from this right no. did you know that yeah so so most of the and not to not to cut you off but Go i'll ahead. interject real quick most of the beef that became heavily publicized between vin diesel and dwayne johnson was found out to be centered around hobbs and shaw oh because the way that this came to be was on the set of i think the fate and the furious sure um they were sort of noticing the chemistry between Jason Statham and Dwayne Johnson and thinking, oh man, this might be a good project. And you know, all the executive producers who were on set got dollar signs in their eyes. And one of them was Vin Diesel. And he was like, no, this is, this is the fast and the furious. He, he does his whole, we're a family deal, you know? And if you guys make a spinoff movie, it's going to take away from that. And he even had parts of Dwayne Johnson's uh, role diminished mm-hmm. in that movie. Because he could, because he was executive producer. He's Vin Diesel. He's able to do that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's what they were beefing about. Wow. I didn't know it went back that far. Yeah. I didn't know that it that Hobson Shaw that, that stir was stirring all along that time. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So um, anyway, yeah, that's that's my tangent. On, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. So, uh, and I will just say like, it's interesting that they noticed like comedic chemistry because J- between Jason Statham and Dwayne Johnson, because I didn't feel like there was natural chemistry there. No, there were times where it felt like there was no chemistry. Right. And there were times where it felt decent, but Jason Statham was the better actor out of the two. He, he carried all the, all the comedic conversations. I think that the, really it was Jason Statham is a funny guy and the rock can be the straight man to, to him. Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah. though, in a way, I think they framed it the opposite, but Jason Statham really was landing all the jokes. Yeah, he was. And mm-hmm. and I would say, as if you ask me going into this movie, just like point blank, who is the better actor, Jason Statham or Dwayne Johnson? I think I'd be like, meh, Dwayne Johnson. I would have as well. And I don't get that vibe after this. Same. So it was, it was pretty interesting. So let's go to Showstopper. 
What was your number one production value moment of the film? Uh, really when they connected the Fast and the Furious to this film. Yeah. Was that yours? I hope not. No, no, okay, no, good. no, no. <laughs> you don't get it till the end of the movie, but you know from Fast and the Furious that they have the, the NOS that they flip where they just like punches their engines and you see the, the, the CGI go into their engine and see it just like fuel injected and their car just like shoots forward, right? So that was for me. I was like, I was waiting for that because it's like, well, if you're going to title it The Fast and the Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw, I need some Fast and Furious. I need some cars. Yeah. And they, they did it. They have it near the end. And it's like, all right, that's what I wanted for, from this movie. And that was fun for me. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, you, you do kind of wait for that moment, right? Because mm-hmm. um, you know that this is tied in with Fast and the Furious. And you know that, you know, you, you obviously know these characters and you're familiar with them. But it really feels, going back to like the James Bond spy movie thing, it, it really feels more like that than anything else in the early part. You know, you've got like, you know, Jason Statham, who's like the finesse, you know, clean mercenary and Dwayne Johnson, who's like this battering ram, just like all muscle guy. And you've got that kind of like, like two sided yin yang relationship between them. But mostly it's about them, the espionage factor and them like using their resources to solve this. I mean, not really a crime, but like find out that where people are that they need to find and use all these different resources and it doesn't really become a Fast and the Furious movie until the last 30 minutes, hour? Right. And I wouldn't even say that it's a Fast and the Furious movie because the, the climax of this film is just ridiculous action. Yeah. <laughs> action packed. It makes no sense, but you're like, all right, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. You know? uh, but yeah. Cool. Yeah. I will say my showstopper was the fight choreography. Yes. Um. So David Leach, this is a fun fact. David Leach, who's the director of this movie, started his career as a stunt coordinator and he worked on stunt teams and he has tons of stunt credits. He actually, um, you know, did, he was stunt coordinator for the matrix and actually all three of the matrix movies, Excellent. Um, which they're known for incredible fight choreography. And we got a lot of really good fight choreography here. Um, you know, fast and the furious movies are they're They're a little bit over the top. Mm-hmm. I mean, saying a little bit over the top is quite an understatement. They're way over the top, but the, the actual, f- hand combat hand-to-hand combat felt very cool very smooth and pretty real for the most part and i thought that like i was every time a fight scene was coming up i was like oh yeah let's go because it was it was really fun to watch right from the very beginning when um you have idris we get idris elba you know the black superman as he calls himself multiple times who's like this cybernetically enhanced bad guy and he takes out like six mi6 agents you know, just with his fists and it's just awesome. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh man, I can't mm-hmm. wait for more of this. I want all the fight scenes. So yeah, fight choreography was top notch. One thing that I loved about the choreography <clears throat> is how they used found objects in, in the fight choreography. So Jackie Chan made that famous where yeah. you're fighting, you're struggling and all of a sudden you grab like a chair and you just take someone out or you grab a toaster and you take it out. Like they, they did such a good job with that and all the different realms and different locations that they were fighting with. And of course, Jason Statham did it best uh, because just because of the type of fighter they made him versus the rock, just like yeah. elbowing people in the face and taking them down. So found objects were, were a big win on me. I was noticing him left and right. I was like, that was cool. That was clever. Give me more. Let's go. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, he does a whole fight. Jason Statham's character, uh, Deckard Shaw, does a whole fight with a champagne bottle yes. in the club. It's pretty awesome. It reminds me of this scene in Deadpool 2, which, again, also directed by David Leach, where his apartment gets ransacked and he's fighting people. He's got his knife block and his toaster, 
and he like hits a guy with a toaster and then just starts taking knives out of his knife box and like throwing them at people. <laughs> and at one point he's even like, oh man, thank God I didn't have to use the cream cheese spreader. You know, so it's, it's again, it's found, found object, but just really good fight choreography makes for a really good time. Yep. All right. Flip side of that, director shoes. What would you have changed about this movie, Kirk? I wanted to amp up the supervillain. So we have Idris Elba is the is the physical villain, but then there's the organization that he's a part of, and I wish that they would have uh, explored that a little more. Yeah, I, I wanted them to amp it up because it's not as much of a threat because you never see um, Jason Statham and The Rock interact with this this mysterious villain who we never see their face. It's just a voice until the end of the movie. And I wish that would have happened multiple times like throughout. Yeah. Did you hear about what they were trying to do with that villain? No, they wanted it to be Keanu. What? They wanted it to be Keanu Reeves. So they've been trying to get Keanu Reeves in the fast and the furious series for a long time. Um, David Leach goes way back with Keanu. They met on the set of um, matrix. Okay. And did all the stunt choreography for that. And then also he directed John Wick. So they, you know, they, they have deep ties. And so it seemed like this was for sure going to happen. They were like in deep discussions about it. And I think the quote from Dwayne Johnson was like, creatively, there wasn't a fit, which sounds to me like Keanu was like, nah, I'm good, man. I'll just go be John Wick, like whatever. So I kind of liked like the faceless villain person but i agree that the the organization mm-hmm. of what was it called etion or ETM. something like that mm-hmm. kind of hard to get a you know a handle on what's going on there you know like how big their reach is and what they exactly do or what they're setting out to do i don't know it's yeah and the final conversation that they have toward the end of the movie kind of plays to that but i'm like you know you could have like sprinkled that in throughout for sure you know you have idris elba but also get a little get in touch with him as well yeah agreed hopefully it ends up being keanu because it was it's it's left up in the air right now it is left up they can they can still go whatever direction maybe if keanu has an opening in his calendar which is increasingly more full by the day he's like the internet's darling right now that's right and so I doubt that they'll find space in his calendar, but maybe, man. We can hope. Good luck, because John Wick 4, you know, Marvel wants him as well. It's going to oh, be... Oh, please give me Keanu in the MCU. <laughs> It'd please. be so good. Yeah, they've also been in talks with him to get him Dude, He's something. also in, like, video games. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's everywhere. <laughs> People are all about Keanu right now. He's the best. All right. Friend of the pod. Yeah, friend of the podcast, <laughs> Keanu Reeves. Don't forget. Tell your friends. <laughs> um, my director's shoes was changing how they handle the story building around the family aspect of this movie. Mm. So like explaining they, they, so they, Vanessa Kirby's character is Deckard Shaw's sister, Hattie. A lot of time is spent trying to build out that relationship because again, like, I don't know. I haven't, I'm not all caught up on fast and the furious just yet, but I don't know if we know that he has a sister. This is certainly the first time she's ever been seen on screen. So there's a lot of time that's spent doing that. And then they also, like, they wanted this movie to be about family, like one of the core central themes of this movie. And so then they also had to build out this whole story around Dwayne Johnson's character's family and his daughter and then his extended family. And it takes a lot of time. And in a lot of cases, I bet that there, I'll go back through and see if there's any inconsistencies with the story. I would bet that they retcon some things to make this happen. Oh, yeah. Um, and it just it ultimately ends up feeling a little bit forced. It it's long winded, you know, and, and you're like, we get it. 
He's he's you know she's his his sister. This is Fast and the Furious. We don't need the explanation. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> you know. Yeah. The whole third act takes place in Samoa, as you saw in the trailer. Yeah. You see the Rock looking like, uh, what's his name from from Moana? Yeah, uh, Maui. <laughs> Maui looking yeah. just like Maui because he is Samoan and he's he's with his family and he's shirtless and you know they they ran out of their guns. They have all these spears and stuff. And so that whole third act, it's like, all right. But it went in like the original Fast and the Furious there they're they're just family they're they're running they're running jobs they're all together they're taking care of it i'm gonna trust you you're not in my family yeah but so you can join us uh, well yeah and they have to they have to because this is the first time we're seeing dwayne johnson's or lucas hobbs family they have to explain like why he wasn't around you know stuff like that that it just comes with the territory when you're trying to tell this kind of story i just wish some of that stuff had been left on the cutting room floor and we could have just moved on with our lives like this is similar. It's similar to watching a kid's movie. Like some people, you know, you just don't care about the explanation all that much mm-hmm. at the end of the day. It's, you know, it's, it's fine if that's the direction you want to go, but ultimately not that important. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would have changed. Yeah. I think Vin Diesel's laugh was laughing at that structure. AKA yeah. Dom. Yeah. As his, as his character is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So that's, that's all of our superlatives. Let's wrap this thing up with scores. Do you have any final thoughts on this movie? Uh, go see it. It's fun. If you haven't seen any other Fast and the Furious movies, it doesn't matter. It's a total blast. Just go for it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I was slightly worried, and uh, I think like uh, a couple other ones have popped up on uh, streaming platforms since it's been released. But yeah, go. It's fun. Go watch it. Uh, so I'm gonna give it some kernels. Yeah. Well, can I get final thoughts first? No. Okay, yes. Go ahead. No. 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 You give your score, and then I'll do my final thoughts. <clears> score. I wasn't trying to be mean. I'm. Sorry. No, it's fine. I want to hear it. I really wasn't trying to be mean. Forgive me. I believe you. It's okay. fine. My kernels. We'll talk about it later, <laughs> Off the pod. <laughs> A.K.A. Cameron beats me up. <laughs> My kernels. 6.2. Okay. Respectable. It's a blast. Yeah. And I will just say, man, I keep saying, I will just say. But you will just say. I will just say this, Kirk. <laughs> I will just say it. Say it. <laughs> um, this movie, when when we grade this, you guys might think that these are a little bit high, you know, and and when you hear the writing and things like that, you should know that when you grade a movie about like this, you have to grade it on the confines of the genre. So if you look at if you look at like Fast and the Furious Rotten Tomato scores over time, you've got a nice little bell curve where like the middle or like the first movie is at like 50% and then it goes down for a while and then it shoots up at the end. And the reason it shoots up is because at least this is my theory. The first one they see it, they're like, eh, it's a subpar action movie. People will like it. Lots of big stars, whatever. And then the sequels, they're like, oh my gosh, the writing's atrocious. The action is over the top, blah, blah, blah. You know, those kinds of complaints. But then when you get to six, it's like, oh, that's what they're trying to do. Like, oh, that's kind of the point. That's the genre. They Like, Fast and the Furious essentially created their own genre of movie and when you look at this movie within the confines of that genre and within the confines of just the action film genre, mm-hmm. it checks a lot of boxes. I mean, you, if you come into this movie expecting groundbreaking dialogue and, and like Oscar winning performance, yeah, I mean, come on, no. it, you're, you're coming in with the wrong expectations. And I would say that you could ask the director and the writers that was never their intention. Their intention is to make an entertaining movie with lots of action. This movie does that. Yep. So I think knocking it for the writing and things like that is just a little bit, it's a little bit soft. Mm-hmm. It's not taking the full picture into consideration. Right. So 
My score for this movie is 7.1 kernels out of 10. All right. I really had a lot of fun. It was it was actually a nice breath, breath of fresh air whenever I came in and I was like, you know, because we just watched yesterday and we just watched um, The Kitchen, you know, The Kitchen, which were both lower budget, which is okay. We like indie movies. We like low budget movies. It's totally fine. But there's just something so fun about a big, giant, expensive blockbuster and from that first scene when they're playing like the time in a bottle cover and everything's in slow-mo and you see like the MI6 agents coming out, it just looks great. And you're like, man, this is going to be a total blast. I was like literally smiling like an idiot in the theater because I was like, (laughs) I'm excited about this. So yeah, 7.1 go in with the right expectations. You will have an absolute blast with this movie. Mm -hmm. All right. If you saw Hobbs and Shaw, which like I said, you probably have seen it by now. If you were one of these big Fast and the Furious fans, I would almost guarantee you've seen it. If you're not a big Fast and the Furious fan and you're intimidated by the fact that you haven't seen the movies, don't be. Just go check it out. Yep. Um, so hit us up with your thoughts if you're in either of those categories. We want to hear it. I'm sure there are tons of them. But with that, we're going to move into our top five, which this week is duos. Our top five duos, because Hobbs and Shaw are a duo. And it just made me think, like, what are the best one-two punches in the world not not tv not film anything it can Cam be and kirk well we, yeah i we mean should. that's my number one you just right. spoiled it uh. great thanks kirk dang it jk <laughs> i would never do that i'm not i'm not that vain <laughs> one of these days we will be number one on that list kirk but exactly. for now exactly um so yeah i want to i wanted to dig into this one i think it's going to be a lot of fun we'll probably <laughs> of course we'll probably have overlap like we do every single time but i'm okay with it i just I'm at peace with it now. After the pizza cutter thing last week, I was like, You're, <laughs> "Nothing is safe. We're just gonna, it's just gonna happen." Um, so let's do, let's do top five. I believe it's your turn to go first this week. All right, I'll do it. Number five. This comes from ER, Doctor John Carter and Doctor Peter Benton. Mm. This, this was a, a beautiful relationship. Doctor Benton was Doctor Carter's mentor. Uh, Doctor Carter came in as a med student, then intern, then resident, then. Uh, chief resident than attending i mean and peter benton was there to carry him the whole way it was a beautiful relationship peter benton went with him when when john carter was going through a drug addiction after getting stabbed on valentine's day you know crazy stuff happened on yeah, the show heavy one of the one of the most exciting episodes in tv history i think that will ever be yeah fantastic duo they're great Lo- they they yell at each other they hate each other but at their core they love each other mm. it's a fantastic duo that's a good one i like it for my number five i'm going with critically acclaimed filmmakers joel and ethan cohen all right also known as the cohen brothers who have made some absolutely fantastic films we talked about inside lewin davis on this podcast we've not talked about oh brother where art thou raising arizona no country for old men which we in my opinion is one of it's probably the best best picture winner in the in the last what we're 19 years into this century so yeah in the last 19 years i mean it's it's really 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 good Mm -hmm. those guys are a powerhouse and everything they do i i tend to love even like hail caesar which not tons of people were high on i just had a ton of fun watching that movie i'm a big fan of joel and ethan cohen very good choice number four kirk my number four is gonna be walter white and Jesse Pinkman. Oh, that's such a good one. Thank you. Man, I'm jealous of that one. Thank you. Man, at the beginning of that movie, well, at the beginning of, let's talk about just the the 
writing for this. They didn't even think that Jesse Pinkman would last past the first episode. I love stories like that. It's great because then you see this actor come in, this basically unknown at that point. However, he did play a drug addict son in ER. Everything goes back to ER. There's 15 yeah, seasons. Yeah, all man. roads lead to ER. <laughs> this pair is just so great. And they they did such a good job with just strapping in, taking this awesome writing across all seasons and just becoming this fantastic pair. This dysfunctional, sometimes loving, sometimes I'm going to kill you pair. Yeah, the ups and downs that they go through and just like how that whole relationship starts. It's what makes that show so great. And that show is great. great. Like, so unbelievably good. Breaking Bad is what we're talking about, by the way. We didn't, <laughs> we didn't mention that. Breaking Bad, for those of you who have not seen it. All right. My number four. Kicking it old school. Okay. And when I say old school, I mean the 1770s and 1780s. Oh, snap. Going with George Washington and Alexander Hamilton. Love that. Um, You got me hooked on Hamilton, which I became very hooked on. Anybody who knows me can tell you that, like, I guess if they were to describe me to some stranger would probably include something about Hamilton because I'm absolutely obsessed with it. But George Washington is a total baller. If you go back through pretty much any historical archive, nobody has a bad word to say about this guy. He's just an absolute boss, a leader, a warrior. He was the president of the United States. Nobody wanted him to not be the president of the United States. They're like, can you just keep doing it? Yeah, I I guess he was just killing it. He was so good. And just a great guy, and obviously a lot, you know, we now know, um, thanks to Lin-Manuel, who wrote this fantastic musical, uh, more people know about the contributions that Alexander Hamilton had, um, not only to our nation, but just to George Washington and how he was able to aid him. Like, true, he was a true sidekick, Mm -hmm. and the best sidekick for George Washington, and his, you know, George Washington's impact, and their impact combined on America wouldn't be the same without Alexander Hamilton. So going with those two guys, shout out to our founding fathers there. $10 $10 founding father without a father. Here we go. Number three, Mario and Luigi. Ooh, I love it. Love those guys. Where would we be as a society without them? Oh, it'd be the dark ages, Kirk. Yeah. I mean, there. it's just everyone knows who Mario and Luigi is. You know, I believe, I don't know if it was my son or one of my nephews that said, you're going to be a super, you can dress up like a superhero. And they said, oh, great, I'm going to be Mario. Yeah, he's a superhero. He is a superhero. Straight up. He, he, both of them, the, their sidekicks, they're they're one of the best duos, maybe the best duo in video games for sure. Yeah, no, guaranteed. Top of the list. They are the top of they're the list. They're number one on that list for sure. They're they're incredible, and I think they they deserve a spot on this top five duos. Luigi's an all time character too. Mm-hmm. He's great. He's got the he's you know Mario sacrifices a lot for Luigi. Luigi gets Luigi probably has more fans than Mario these days because he's got. The cool games that are about like him hunting ghosts. He's got a green a green suit. He's like taller. He can jump higher. But Mario is the rock on which all of Nintendo was built. He's, yes. He's a well-rounded character. If you need to get something done that's hard, you're not going to use one of these guys with special powers. You're going to use the, the OG mm-hmm. Mario himself because, you know, he's been through it. He can get the job done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're the perfect, the perfect definition of superhero and sidekick. I mean... You, you have, like you said, The Rock, The Foundation, and Luigi just gets to do some crazy stuff sometimes. Yeah. And Mario has to reel him back. Like, he's a savage in Mario Kart. He is. <laughs> it's, and it's great. Yeah, you should Google. <laughs> if you if you don't know what we're talking about, you should Google, like, Luigi Mario Kart. And there's all these videos of him <laughs> in the new Mario Kart bumping people's cars and then having this maniacal look on his face. <laughs> it's, it is, like, quality entertainment. I love it. Oh, it's so good. All right, my number three. I'm going with root beer and vanilla ice cream. 
I love that. Yeah, the root beer float, which is a staple. It was a staple in my house growing up. It was my go-to dessert, still is in a lot of ways. I love the root beer float. It's delicious. Also, pro tip, and you got to trust me on this one, Kirk. Okay. If you pour milk into root beer, it tastes like a root beer float, and it's delicious. What? And you would think that it'd be like weird and mess with the consistency and all that. Now, it can't be skim milk. I'll just caveat oh, that. gross. It's got to be 2%, you know, something thick. There's no better milk than 2%. You get that nice melted root beer float flavor, and I know that it will weird people out to do it. Trust me, you won't regret it. How did you come about this? Was it, were you out of ice cream, but you had milk and you're like, eh, try this No, out. somebody showed me. Okay, great. Yeah. Just somebody was like, do it. You don't have ice cream, just pour some milk in there. It'll be same flavor. You'll get, you'll curb your uh, craving and you'll be able to move on with your life. And sure enough, it's true. Sounds delicious. You know what I love? Like the best, best uh, root beer float in St. Louis, Fitz's root beer on Fitz's, Del Mar Loop. Yeah, Fitz's stands alone. Oh. It's incredible. Friend of the pod, Fitz's root beer. <laughs> yeah, Fitz's. <laughs> they, what they do there is they have the big giant beer mug thing, like the beer stein, and they put a glob of ice cream on top to where it's not actually touching the root beer. Mm-hmm. But then you get this satisfying moment where you eat the outside of the ice cream and then it falls into the root beer and splashes and it's it's like euphoria. Yeah, and those, those mugs are like frosted before they get mm. to you too. It's so good. Yeah, next level. That's some next level root beer float <sighs> stuff there. Wonderful. All right, what are we on now? Number two? My number two, right? Yeah. I got to go Oreos and peanut butter. What? Have you done this before? Well, no. I mean, I am allergic to chocolate. Oh, that's right. Don't so do there, this. So there's that. You could try it with the golden Oreos. Which I don't know if I don't know if Oreos are like real chocolate, so I don't know if it would give me a reaction. You should like take a staycation and Just have take it one, at the beginning of yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. And then if I die, you know, it's like, oh, well, guess it was. Guess it was real chocolate. <laughs> exactly. I was introduced to this, thankfully, by Lindsay Lohan in the uh, Parent Trap remake. She oh, does yeah, this. I know. I know about that. Yeah. What am I saying? She does this. And I'm like, what? Why have I never tried that before? And now every time that I buy Oreos, I make sure that I have a full jar of peanut butter and I Smart. just go crazy. Well, yeah, because chocolate and peanut butter is an all-time pairing as well. It's so good. Like my favorite M&M is the peanut butter M&M. Mm-hmm. Peanut butter. Peanut M&M, classic, wonderful. Also good. But man, peanut butter M&M is so good. If you haven't tried it, you need to get out there and it'll change your life. Yeah. But yeah, Oreos and peanut butter, big fan, endorsing it. Please get some like right now. Okay. Love it. My number two. You knew there was going to be a sports connection in there somewhere. Oh, yeah. Here it is. LeBron James and Dwayne Wade. There they are. There they are. Batman and Superman right there. Like that was... Like, they call them Batman and Robin. I call them Batman and Superman because they're both just epically awesome. I just loved it. I loved the Big Three era. It was the most exciting thing to ever happen to basketball, in my opinion, let alone Miami Heat basketball. And got to go to some games. It's just a blast. Love those guys. That Like, for me, there will be nothing better in sports than that time, and I just remember it so fondly. And I'll go back and watch YouTube videos of those guys and just be like, oh, my gosh. Remember And this him. is... Yeah, and this is not to discount Chris Bosch's contribution to the Big Three either because he was absolutely phenomenal and one of the big reasons they were able to do so much. But LeBron and Dwayne Wade were the alphas of that group and they were just totally balling throughout that. So that's my number two. Fantastic choice. We're at number one. Number one. This is big stuff. All right. My number one. Mel Gibson, Danny Glover lethal weapon <laughs> yeah that's a good one thank you thank you 
Uh, found out later that uh, the director of Hobbs and Shaw was actually one of the writers on the Lethal Weapon series, like the actual films. Oh, really? Not the TV series. So that was uh, that was pretty cool to find out. This this duo should not have happened, but it did, and they did a great job. From if you haven't seen the Lethal Weapon series, there are four of them: Lethal Weapon one, two, three, and four. Which is kind of funny because so many movies when they have sequels now also try to have like like the Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. They're not just here it is, let's go. They try to change it up. Lethal Weapon one, two, three, four. These guys they come in and they they are just two completely opposite people. Duh, that's the best formula for a duo, <laughs> and they they kill it. They are hilarious. They love each other. They hate each other. I'm too old for this. Yeah, line, of course, comes yeah, from all classic. that. And I can't think of a, a bad iteration of, of all four of them. All four of them are fantastic, and they just get increasingly better. I mean, by the end of by the fourth one, you have Jet Li coming in as the villain, and he just like is so good at, at, at killing people <laughs> yeah he kills people with like uh with like just a, a like a paper clip i think at some point it's insane yeah that's awesome uh, lethal weapon man that's kind of that's kind of forgotten these days it i feel is. like it's not it's not like referenced all that much anymore and and it was such a big deal and and so good so yeah that's a that's a totally a great pick mm-hmm. thank you thank you all right i i will just say like my number one is is really good it's it is the duo with which all other duos are compared. Okay. Or to which all other duos are compared. Batman and Robin. All right. Yeah, the the dynamic duo, the original those guys are awesome. What whatever iteration of it there is, whether it's like the old school bam pow TV show, you know, like where they're <laughs> fighting and they're wearing the tights and the goofy outfits. Adam West. And and Robin's throwing out those one-liners like holy cheese puffs Batman and you know things like that. It's just it's awesome. I I love the dynamic there. And I think people kind of think that that's like the only Batman and Robin dynamic, but in the comics, they do so many cool things with Batman and Robin. And it's, it's an element that I wish we could explore more in film. It hasn't been explored that much, like outside of the, the bad Batman movies from the late nineties and early two thousands, which we won't talk too much about. Nope. Um, there hasn't been a lot of Batman and Robin. We didn't get any of it in the Dark Knight trilogy. We haven't gotten any of it in the newly founded DCEU yet. And I just want more. And Robin goes on to be an awesome superhero named Nightwing, who I absolutely love. Same. Um, and Robin also heads up the Teen Titans, which are a really fun super group. I love Batman. I love Batman and Robin. They are the original duo, and they are the benchmark for all duos to be compared to. Batman and Robin, number great, one. Great pick. I agree. I mean, we're rooting for Batman Beyond to come out, but I think we should also be equally rooting for Nightwing. To oh, a come Nightwing out. movie? Oh. Also, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Yes, has to be. So, whichever one is made first, whether it's Batman Beyond or Nightwing, should be Joseph Gordon Levitt. I think Joseph Gordon Levitt is probably a better fit for Nightwing. Yes. And I don't know who would play Batman Beyond. I think there are some options out there, but. Yeah, he. Uh, they teased us with it, man. With the Dark Knight Rises, they really teased us with it. <laughs> like that was uh, exceptionally cruel. Why and did they do that to us? You're like, this is him, right? This is him. And then at the end of the movie, like, oh yeah, I go by Robin. Yeah, Batman's gone. He's found the Batcave. You know, he led him to the Batcave. He goes by Robin. It's like, what? Give me more. I know. Come it's, on, Christopher Nolan, come back. What a tease. What an absolute tease. <laughs> so yeah, I want, I want Batman and Robin in the forefront sometime soon mm-hmm. let's do honorable mentions because there are other duos that we for sure missed do you have any sunny and Cher. 
Mm, yeah, I got Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, who directed the Lego movie, um, Into the Spider-Verse. They were involved with 21 Jump Street. They were involved with a bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, also got the Wonder Twins. Yes. You know about the Wonder Twins? Oh, yeah. <laughs> a little. Wonder Twin powers activate. <laughs> Form of a bucket of water. Shape of an ice pick. You know, like like one can turn into living things or like organic matter, and the other one can turn into objects objects (laughs) and so like you see on that show that old show they used to show on boomerang like super friends it would be like oh here come the wonder twins it's like the boy and the girl uh they're you know they're twins obviously and the one the one would always turn into something cool i think it was the girl she'd be like form of a tiger and the guy would be like shape of a ramp (laughs) and you're like boo (laughs) like you are the lame wonder twin nobody likes you but those guys are awesome. That was a good time. Yep. Other other honorable mentions. Do you have any others? Peanut butter and jelly. Yep, I had that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, more food ones. Buffalo and ranch. Oh, uh, yeah. Chips and salsa. That's good. That's good. Wachowski brothers. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Um, or brother and sister now. Right, brother and sister now. Yep. Um, it's, I, I don't know. That's all I had. Did you have any others? That's about it. Okay, great. If you have duos, I know there are duos we missed. I mean, we didn't, we kind of talked about chocolate and peanut butter. I'm sure people will say that one. Sure. Um, but your your Oreo thing kind of covered it. Thank you. But if there are other duos that we miss, hit us up on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We want to hear it. But that is a wrap on this show, on episode seven, lucky number seven mm-hmm. of Popcorn for Breakfast. Thank you, as always, to Ryan Spriggs, who helps us produce this podcast. And as always, Ryan Spriggs and Brandon Aristed, who are responsible for our awesome theme music. We will see you guys next week. Talk to you then. Keanu's everywhere. He's the internet's boyfriend right now. He is, dude. The internet is in love with Keanu. I love him. Do you love him? I love Lamp. I'm in love with... I love Lamp. (laughs) (laughs) Do you actually love Keanu Reeves? I'm in love with him.
Or do you like the idea of Keanu Reeves? No, we um we text 